Um, no, we got, a, we got a good message for you guys this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, where we are finishing up the series on 1 and 2 Corinthians, the two letters that we have record of that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, which he started a couple years previous. Now remember, there's actually four letters written, but two of them didn't make it through recorded history, but Paul references them in his other two letters that we do have. And we're ending up 2 Corinthians today. It's the very last chapter. We're going to start a new series. Actually, next week is going to be good. Bring a friend. We're having some pastors in from Jesus Lifehouse in Tokyo and Yokohama and Sendai and all of that. It's going to be a really good uh, weekend, some guest speakers. But um, we are ending up the final lesson, I guess, message in our series on First and Second Corinthians. And you guys got to really catch that there's an importance that Paul is making on this chapter because... In all of his other chapters and of his letter and all of the talks he's been giving and all the correcting he's been doing, remember it's at a church that he started, they started in the things of the Lord, and then he had moved on, he had gotten wind that they'd gotten off track. And his, his letters that he's writing are to try to correct them, to bring them back into position so that God can give them the very best life possible. He's going, guys, you guys slipped up a little bit. I'm writing all this. But remember, Paul has been correcting them mostly a lot of the time like by going, look, I have the authority to speak to you. Jesus Christ is mighty among you. Here's the example of Christ and what he did for us. Here's what's right. Look at his word and don't be hypocrites. And he's talking about all of this stuff. But finally, in the last chapter of this ending of his letter, he kind of just puts it on them. And I think this is really important for us because we can read the word of God and we can look at it and we can go, oh, it's telling me to do this. And we can listen to godly people in our lives that are correcting us and they're telling us to do something. But until we own it ourselves and we look at ourselves and understand that this is where I'm out of alignment and if I do this thing, this is what I need to do to get back on track. Until we own it ourselves, we never really grasp it and really get to work on the problem because it's all just other people talking. So Paul, at the end of this letter now, he's saying, and look at the title, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right? Anybody remember that song back in the day? Come on, 1993 Ice Cube. You guys remember that one, right? I remember that one when I was young and driving around. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You guys remember that one? Is it coming back? You better chickity check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself, right? We remember that song. And I just got to say, I love the title. It fits so good with this chapter. And I love that song. But, you know, I always listen to the radio version, which is the clean version, right? I never had the CD or even the tape, if you will, because that was back in the day, right? And so I always just thought that was such a good phrase. And so I'm like, yeah, that's good. And then so I'm like, I'm going to use that for this chapter because that's basically, in essence, what Paul is saying today. We better check our own faith. Otherwise, we're going to be headed for trouble. We're going to wreck ourselves. But when I brought up that song to kind of re-listen to it and the lyrics online, oh my gosh, that's the worst song ever. <laughs> so I'm just trying to like clear this, clear my name because some of you guys are going, oh, Pastor Carl told me to listen to that song. That's evil music. Don't listen to that song, okay? Do not take spiritual advice from Ice Cube. I just, I just like the title and the phrase actually fits in other things in life. And really, isn't it, isn't, don't we actually have the, um, the opportunity and we, don't we actually have the authorization to do that, if you think about it, is take the things that the world meant one way and then we grab them and we redeem them for God's purposes and we can use them in healthy ways in our lives. And so I'm not saying the lyrics in that song and all that's bad, but I love the title. And the title to me speaks of my own walk with Jesus Christ and our walk is that we got to remember that. I got to check myself before I wreck myself. I better make sure my faith is always on point to what God wants best for me. Otherwise, if something comes along and a real test in my life comes along, I'm going to end up wrecking myself. You know what I mean? Is that, that if we're not constantly taking an accurate inventory of ourselves, the devil's going to throw something at us. He's going to trip us up and we're going to get into trouble. Whether it's you think your walk is okay, but there's stuff that you haven't been checking on and they kind of be, you've been slipping. And then all of a sudden a temptation comes along or a hurt or a trouble or a struggle or something that you weren't prepared for and you find, wow, am I either going to handle this and pass the test or am I going to wreck myself and fail? This past week I, was, um, I went surfing on Monday my day off with a couple friends from church. And um, we, uh, I don't get to surf that often anymore because... 
I'm busy and I got kids and, and life goes on, right? You grow up. You can't always be the surf everyday surf rat that you once were. So I, I'm like a weekend warrior kind of guy, but I still, when I go, I push it hard. So I'll stay out for three or four hours and I'll still think I'm all young in my head, 25 years old or something, and trying to do all the same kind of tricks and everything. And what happens sometimes if I'm not careful is I hurt myself. And I hurt myself this past Monday. I pulled my back out. I was doing this thing and I hyperextended and I just felt my back just go kink. I'm like, oh no. And I knew at that moment, it's like over. I'm done for the day, right? And I'm trying to be cool and everything because I'm with my friends, right? And like paddling around. Hey, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, it's cool. I think I'm going to go in. I'm a little tired, you know? And really, I knew I was done, right? And this whole week, it's been bothering me. I was wearing like the back brace and I've gone to the doctor before. I know the doctor says this. Um, he says, we've x-rayed you. You don't have a bad back. But the reason your back will keep going out is you're not taking the necessary precautions, the preventive measures that it takes so that when you go to stretch it and you do something like this, it's going to go out of whack. And what you need to be doing is you need to be checking yourself all the time. You need to make sure that you're getting older. You don't surf as much. You're not as limber. Stretch before you go out. Stretch your back and your legs and stuff in the morning. I'm like, okay. And, and pace yourself. You don't need to do the marathon sessions. Just take it easy. And, you know, let me see what else is wrong with your back. Let me see your wallet. And I pull my wallet out. It's like, fatty, right? And he's like, no, you can't put that in the back pocket. You sit on that all day and you're just going to be like typing on the computer, driving your car, and you're throwing your back out, right? You guys ever see the Costanza episode of Seinfeld, George Costanza with the fat wallet? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, yeah, right? George Costanza's wallet. And so th these are the kind of dumb things that I'm not doing. I'm aware I need to take care of my body, but they go kind of unchecked in my life. And how's your mattress, Carl? You say, oh, really soft and comfortable. That's bad for your back. You need to sleep on a firm mattress. So there's all of these things that I've been letting go and leaving unchecked in my life. So when something comes along and I got to go out and surf, oh, there goes my back. But it's the same way in our faith. And Paul today is going to be talking to us. Um, and it's pretty introspective. It's really going to be a little bit convicting for you. Because, you know, when I studied for this thing, I was myself going, man, this, this is convicting. When God is telling us through Paul we got to check ourselves. It puts the, the burden on us and the responsibility on us. You can listen to correction all day long from anybody, but you don't have to believe it. But if you're willing to look at yourself with the real honest evaluation and take an accurate inventory of who you are and realize, man, there, there's some stuff that I haven't been doing. And if I don't get it right, I'm going to be headed for trouble. And as we do that, it's hard to stir some of that stuff up. Some of us think we're doing really good, but you start to dig deep, self-examine. Oh, man, there's bad stuff in there but you are able to come to terms with that, to give it up, what you're going to find is God wants to take that stuff and he wants to bring you freedom. Amen? Amen? So it's not to stir that stuff up so that we get judged and feel bad about ourselves. It's so that God can go, see, that was in there. It was in the way of me blessing you. Now you give it to me, you work on it. Let's get rid of it. Now life's going to be good. And that's what really what we're after today. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Self-examination. Um, so let's look at 2 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. Paul's writing, he says, this is the third time that I'm coming to visit you. And as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. He says, I have already warned those who had been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now I again warn them and all others, just as I did before. The next time I will not spare them. The next time I warn you guys, I'm not going to be so easy. He has been talking over and over and visiting them over and over. Look, you guys know, I just want you to get things right in your walk because that's the best life that I can possibly offer you. Just clean up the stuff. I hope you choose to do the right thing. And this is kind of redundant. We've been hearing this all throughout First and Second Corinthians. Verse 3, he says, I will give you all the proof that you want that Christ speaks through me. Christ is not weak when he deals with you. He's powerful among you. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too are weak, but just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and we will have God's power. Again, he's just kind of reiterating what he's been saying before, which to me is the perfect picture and balance of the Christian life, is that we realize without a shadow of a doubt, without God, we are weak. We are nothing. We just sang that in that song, God, without you, I am nothing. And that's the right humble attitude we should have is like, left to my own terms, my own power, my own devices, guess what? I'm going to screw up my life. I'm not going to have the wisdom I need to make decisions in relationships, with my money, with using my gifts and abilities, with finding eternal or in, internal peace and happiness. I'm going to blow it. But Paul says, yeah, we are weak. But guess what? With God, we walk in power. And that's all of us, right? But we've been hearing Paul say this. But here's what I think the message and the point of today's um, chapter is all about. Look at verse 5. 
If you have a pen or a highlighter or something, this is the verse that you want to really key in on here today. Look at verse 5. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. He's going, I've been talking to you guys about getting back on track, but you know what? Enough talking. Enough about me. You look at your own life and see if you're where God wants you to be. He says, surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you or in you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourselves, I hope you'll recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. Here's a question for the day. You can write it down. As a Christian in your spiritual walk, do you like who you're becoming? When you look at yourself, do you like who you're becoming, who you've become? As a Christian, do you think you're at the top of your game and where you need to be? Or when you really take an honest, evaluative look at yourself, you would kind of go, oh, I didn't want to look that deep, God. Wow, I realize that that's, that's really in there. And I think the way that we do this is we can ask God, not just ask ourselves, but we can say, God, you show me what you think about me. I want to go, go deeper with you. Because the deeper you go and the, the more willing you are to really take a look at your spiritual walk, the greater freedom you're going to find because you're going to be able to clean stuff up. But it's got to be an honest, evaluative uh, inventory in your life. Remember last, last week at the end of the sermon we talked about when we correct one another or we, we receive correction, we should be real and uncensored. We should be raw. We shouldn't just touch the surface level stuff. Remember the quote I said was, um, we don't just try to get rid of the fruits, but we try to kill the root. If there's sin growing in our life, we don't just deal with the symptoms of the sin. We want to go deep to the root of the matter, and sometimes that's embarrassing, and it's hard to stir up. But if you want the full freedom of the Lord, that's what you got to do is you got to dig deep. And it's the same thing today. If, if I'm telling you this morning, hey, let's go examine ourselves, and throughout the week maybe in your quiet time, you go and you pray and you look. Make sure you give it time. Make sure you add God. Because when you play it safe and play it shallow and you don't go deep, you're only hurting yourself in the long run, right? Because... I had, a, I had a kid in my youth group a number of years back, 10, maybe 12, 15 years ago when I was a youth pastor in Huntington Beach. And there's a kid that um, would always come and he'd always talk a big game about surfing. All the kids in my youth group surf. They're on the Huntington Beach High School surf team. And they're sponsored and all this. And there's this one kid that always just talked a big game. Oh, I'm awesome. I'm going to pick up this sponsor and I'm in this contest and I'm this and that. And we're like, wow, he, he talks a lot. I wonder if he really is that good, right? And we went surfing with him one time and we're just like, wait, that guy? He, like, he's terrible, right? And we were, we were looking at him, we're like, what's going on? And he was, oh, I'm a bad day, and my board's not working, and I, you know, I hurt my knee, and you know, whatever. He said all these excuses, so we're like, oh, okay, maybe. We don't know for sure, but he'd continue to talk and brag about how good he was, right? Wouldn't come to terms with the reality. And one night, um, we were asking for praise reports in the youth group, and I, I always wanted to just teach the kids to give God glory, right? And so the, this kid raised his hand, I got a praise report. I made a final in the contest, and we're like, wow, maybe he really is good. He made the final, you know, because you got to surf a lot of heats against a lot of guys to get to the final. I was like, hey, praise God. And so the kids are all praising God. So I was asking him about it. I'm like, oh, that's good. What place did you come in? Did you win? Or he goes, no, I came in fourth overall. I was like, hey, this kid is pretty good. Fourth overall, that, that's pretty good. So I'm like, how many heats did you have to surf to get there? And he's like, one. I was like, oh, one? Really? Like, so you... Surfed one heat, and it's starting, it's starting to narrow down the praise report, right? <laughs> Only had to surf one heat to make it to the final. I was like, wow, one heat to make it? He goes, no, just one heat. I was like, so the final was just the only heat you had to surf. So you automatically make the final if you just sign up for the contest, right? Yeah, and like the, the praise is like, uh, you know, down a little bit more. And I, I wasn't meaning to rub it in or something. I was just trying to figure out what was going on. I'm like, so, well, that, you know, that's still good. You know, you came in fourth overall. Out of how many that were in the final? Four. <laughs> oh, so basically what you're saying is you came in last place in this contest that you're in. He's like, yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, and all the kids just hassling them. Oh my gosh, what are you saying? See, the deal is if we're not honest with ourselves, it's going to come back and bite us. Amen? And if the same way with God, if, if Paul is saying, examine yourself, examine your heart, where are you really at? You can play the game and make the front and, it, well, everybody thinks I'm good. It's not about everybody else. It's about you and God. The most important thing that matters is you and God. So when coming to terms with this examining, here's a couple really neat verses, is that we need to ask God to show us. Because sometimes we don't see it in ourselves, so we ask God, God, what do you think? And that's a scary thing to do, but it does bring healing. Look what it says in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And I, I've read this in all the different versions, right? 
the uh, New Living Translation, the New International Version, uh, King James Version. There's all, they, they all say it really good, this verse. But for this one, I really like the message version of the Bible on these verses because I like the words it uses. And look at what it says right here. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong and then guide me on the road to eternal life. I like those words, investigate. God, cross-examine me. In other words, God, dig deep and look into me and show me what's really going on because I don't want to be surface-level Christian. I want to be clean and living for you all the way down deep, all the way through. Here's another verse in, in, in Psalms 19, verses 12 to 14 in the New Living Translation. It says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, to go deep, sometimes we have to go beyond just how we examine ourselves, but we ask God to show us what we need to see in ourselves. Amen? It's going deep. See, today isn't necessarily a super fun sermon. It's a sermon that's a real sermon. That when we come together for church, we're not just here to be entertained, but we want to get close to Jesus. Amen, guys? Don't you come to really dig deep? Because I hope you do. I hope it's not just, oh, the worship's cool and there's nice people and let's, let's go eat lunch. I hope you really come to meet with God. And when Paul asks us to examine ourselves, that's, whew, I got to take a deep breath and get ready to go deep because God wants to do something deep in my life. And so we re really got to get in on it. We got to check what is my status. Right on Facebook, everybody puts their status, right? And one of the biggest statuses online right now that everybody has is, who are you voting for as a president, right? And if I say right now, what's your opinion? Who are you going to vote for as president? Instantly, the room's going to be like, rah, divided, right? And everybody's going to have their deal. And I don't like this president and this and that. And you know what? You got to think about that stuff. You have to have an educated vote. We should do our part. We gave you the voting survey to help you make a, a vote that's based on what you know, your knowledge, your conscience, what God is telling you to do. That's a good thing. God says we're supposed to do that. And above all else, above the arguing, we're supposed to pray, right? Whether we get a good one or a bad one, we're supposed to pray for them, that God would have his way in their life. But that's one of the biggest statuses that I see on Facebook. But you know what? I wanna, I wanna say this. There's something far more important, a status that's far more important about than who we're gonna vote for, and that's the status of our faith. That's our status with, see, presidents will come and go, but there's only one king of kings that we will ever have. And our status personally with our king is far more important than any other status that's on our brain and our mind and our heart right now. And so when Paul is saying, where do you stand with God? How's your faith? Because if you're tight with him and you're doing good, he's gonna bless you like crazy. He wants to. But if there's stuff that's in the way, look at it, look for it, find it, get rid of it so you can come into that place of blessing. And here's the thing, as I was thinking about um, God, how do I evaluate myself? What's the standard? What's a good checklist for me to determine if I'm doing okay with you or not? I, two passages came to mind instantly. There's probably more, but here's my two. Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. If the fruit of the Spirit is active in my life and I'm living the life Jesus wants me to live, then I'm gonna have all the things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that good stuff. And so I started thinking, that's a pretty good indicator. How am I doing in those areas? Then another passage came to mind. 1 Corinthians 13, love. If it's all about love, and God only asks us really two things in the whole Bible, to love God and to love other people, then how's my love life looking like? Do I have, you know, as it goes in 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, love is not rude, love is not self-seeking, all of those things. That's a good checklist to see where I'm at. But then as I was digging in scripture a little bit further, you know what I found? I found that Jesus himself gave us four statuses where everybody in this room is at. And he asked us to examine ourselves and to see what status and level our faith is at. We all fall into one of them somehow, some way. Some of us are kind of in a couple of different ones. But everyone in here, this applies to every one of you and myself included. He gave us a parable of the good soil. You guys remember this one in Matthew 13? And he basically said, every person in the world, you will fall into one of these four statuses on your faith. And a way I believe to test how genuine our faith is, is to look at this parable and to go, where do I fall in? Because three of them tell me I got work to do if I want what's best for my life. And one of them is where it's at and I wanna be striving for that one. But let's take a look at these four things in Matthew 4, 13. You don't have to turn there. I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase what Jesus said. He gave a parable of a farmer, a farmer sowing seed and the farmer is God. And the seed is the good news that's supposed to, it's our faith, it's our Christianity. It's supposed to take root in our lives and it's supposed to grow down deep and it's supposed to flourish in our lives. 
And he said, the farmer scattered the seed and the seed fell in four different places. In the first status or level of faith that you might be at today, and none of these, I just want you to know, please don't feel judgment or feel condemnation. I'm just saying, take an honest evaluation and just see where you're at and where you need to be. It's not negative. So here's the first soil. The farmer scattered seed and it fell on the hard road like this, on the hard path. And the seed just laid there on top. It didn't get a chance to take root or anything because it was hard soil. And what happened? Birds came along and plucked up the seed and took it away before anything happened at all. Like Satan came along and stole the word of the good news before it got a chance to root in your life. I'm going to tell you this. First status. Some of us in this room right now, your first status. You're here. You came to church for whatever reason. Maybe it's your first time or whatever. But you don't really have totally the seed of the word of God and faith in God. And you don't really have what we would say is a real strong relationship with God. You might be here today, and please hear my heart. I'm not judging you. I'm not at all. But you just honestly, honest evaluation. I came here today. I really don't know God. He's not, I'm not really a Christian. I'm not really living it. I don't really read my Bible. But something brought me here today. And I got to tell you this. Those of you that fall into this first category are honestly the most important people in church here today. And the rest of the body, we got to understand that. You know why? The rest of us, to some degree, we're already in with God. We're in the family with God, and we're working on our game, and that's good. But the folks that don't know God yet, and they're here, and they're looking, and they're searching, we got to be praying for those people to find God. Because the whole goal for us as Christians is to let everybody else know about how good our God is, and that they would have eternal life with him, that their life would change right now, that they could know that there's a God that loves them despite anything that they've ever done, and they ever will do. You guys get what I'm, I'm talking about right now? The first status... You are of such importance if that is you here today and you're just going, well, I don't know, I'm far from God. I'm, I don't know, is this going to apply to me? You know what? You're the most important people sitting here today. We want you to know the love of Jesus Christ, that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. He's here to love you. He's here to forgive you. He's here to make your life better. So if you fall into that first category, that's good. We want to move you into the next one because we all serve a God that is so amazing. We want you to have it too. Amen? This is our heart. So there's the first, there's the first category of your faith, and maybe you're there, and maybe you're not ready to pick today, and that's okay, but we'll pray for you. We'll pray that God would move in your life and show his love for you. But here's the second status of faith that Jesus has qualified. He said there was a farmer that, that threw some seed out, and it fell into shallow soil with rocks and gravel. And so the seed went in, and the roots kind of went in, but they didn't go too deep. But you know what? It still started growing into a good um, tree or or producing fruit or, or growing into something good. And so we would say, oh, that's pretty neat. You know, like it actually is growing. But the problem, what Jesus is identifying is for some of us, our Christianity is growing in the ground, but it's really shallow. And because of that, even if on the outside we look good and we're flourishing and we're going through all the motions, the tree is eventually going to be headed for trouble and it might die simply because the roots aren't deep enough. To be honest with you guys, that is the, the picture, the status that I have the most danger in my life of falling into. You know why? Because my job, my full-time job, is doing things for, for God. And that a lot of us as Christians and a lot of us that work in ministry, we have to be very careful. The danger is that we'd be doing so much outside, going through the motions in life, being Christian, doing all this stuff for God, that our personal life somewhere along the way is drying up because we're so busy doing Christianity. You guys get what I'm trying to say? Some of us in the room right now, we kind of, maybe we lean towards that. We fall in that category. God, I do so much for you, and people know I'm a Christian, and I'm all good on the outside, but the inside is weak. You're ne you're, you know, people come to me all the time, and I see them, and they look like perfect Christians, and then they say, I'm so dry right now. And the problem with us when we say I'm so dry is we need to really be aware that when we're dry, God hasn't left us, but we've actually stepped away from him. Amen. I'm not trying to step on toes, but maybe I am. And sometimes when we feel dry a little bit, we got to realize, because I ask those people, Oh, you're feeling dry? Yeah, what, what are you going through? Oh, just this and that. I don't, I don't really feel God like I used to and all of that. Doing good on the outside, but the inside is weak. I say, oh, you've been in your word? Oh, no. You've been praying? No, not really. Oh, I see you in church today. How often do you come? A couple times a year, you know? And you start realizing that there's a reason why the roots aren't going very deep and you look all good on the outside is that you're not digging in. And so some of us fall into this category, but God's saying if you want what's best in, in life, Get those roots to grow down deep. Here's, a, here's a, um, a verse for you, Ephesians 3, 14. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth, 
I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with, get this, inner strength, right? Not just looking good on the outside, but you need to have inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home where? In your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and it'll keep you strong. See, what God is most concerned about is our heart. He knows that if your heart is good and and ripe, then he has a chance for it to grow and for the outward look to look good too. But there's a lot of us that we fall into this category. I look good on the outside, but I'm like weak on the inside. And I, I, I profess Jesus and I share with people and I go to church, but there's some stuff deep down in my life that I haven't really given control to God over. There's some stuff I'm holding on to and I'm hiding, or maybe I'm just not really even digging deep. Maybe that's your status. Here's the third status. Possibly this. This is what Jesus said in this parable, that you were the seed that fell into good soil, but the weeds grew up around you. The, the temptations and the troubles and the worries of this world choked out your faith. So the roots are actually in good soil and they go deep. So you're good on the inside, but on the outside, you're not showing too much productivity and too much of a fruitful life for Jesus Christ. I love God with all my heart, but when I'm around my non-Christian friends, I pull back and sometimes I actually join in their jokes and sometimes I kind of get carried away and I get into that kind of stuff. So on the outside, that plant doesn't look like much. It's getting choked out by the worries of the world. Your roots might be deep though. You're like, but I love God with all my heart. I'm in devotions every single day. I I like pray in the spirit. I I worship. I'm like, I'm good with God. But for whatever reason, intimidation, fear, peer pressure, maybe just laziness, on the outside, it's just not showing too much. I know there's a lot of us in this room that tend to be like that. I love God. I go to church. I'm all all good. And God's going, okay, I want you to step out. I want you to use your gifts for me. You know that you're you're called to do this. You're called to do that. And we're like, nah, God, that's, that's a little bit scary. But I love you. And I'll do most anything you say, but not too much stuff. And we let the world choke us out and distract us. And we don't want to put our faith on display because it's good as long as the roots are deep. And God's going, you need to have both. Here's a verse for you. Matthew 5, 14. It says, you, you, and it's talking to us Christians, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, here's a good description of me in junior high and high school. I knew Jesus. I loved him with all my heart. I shined when I was at church and with my, my friends in the youth group. But when it came time for me to be around my peers, I would get real intimidated and I didn't want anyone knowing I was a goody-goody Christian. And I would hide my faith and I would take the light that I had in me. When I go to school, I would put that basket or that bushel over it, right? We all sang the song, hide it under a bushel. No, right? <laughs> Come on, Sunday school, you guys growing up in the church, you guys know what I'm talking about. Well, this is what the verse is saying here, is that don't just be the seed that fell in and the roots grew deep, yeah, but then when it grew up, oh, it got choked out by the things of this world and that you feel like, well, I know God's calling me to do this, but I'm just not gonna do it. You might be shy, you might be peer pressured, you might be intimidated, you might just be plain lazy. And there's a lot of lazy Christians that sit in church. And I pray that's not our church, but that might be us sometimes. We sit around and be getting fed for years in the word, in church, worshiping. Oh yeah, bless, bless, bless. And God's going, go give it away. No, no, no. So what do we do? We just sit there, we eat a lot and we get fat. We're just fat, lazy Christians sitting on the couch with the remote, right? We're just like, nah, I'm good, right? And God's going, the reason I fed you is so that you can feed others. And you're supposed to let your light shine to other people, Amen. So some of us take inventory, self-examination, where are you at? Maybe we're in the place where, man, I know better. I know really good and I love God with all my heart. I, I need to get busy. It needs to show on the outside. And here's the fourth type of soil that Jesus said, just as an example for us to examine where we're at in, in the Lord, in our faith. The fourth one is the seed that fell in the good soil. Its roots went, went down deep, they were healthy, and the tree that came out of it was fruitful and it grew strong and it produced a lot, and it wasn't just itself that was strong, but it produced a harvest of 10, 100 times, 1,000 times as much. In other words, you're the type of Christian, you're grounded, you're rooted, you know Jesus, you're in there, your roots go deep. But on the outside, you're obeying what he's calling you to do, you're doing what he's telling you to do, you're stepping out in boldness and in faith, and you're sharing others, and you're multiplying and reproducing and touching other people's lives so that the harvest goes out all around the world. Amen? This is the picture of what Jesus is trying to say is there's four types of soil. Every one of us falls into one of them. And even if you are the good soil, because some of us right now, we're going, I'm doing pretty good. And I'm not trying to be prideful, but I'm really trying to practice being that fourth soil. Roots deep, outward, spreading the word. That's good. 
And that's good. And I hope that you are there. And I hope that we should all be striving for there. But even in that, when we start to feel like we're doing pretty good, there's a couple of interesting verses. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, keep a close watch on how you live, the outward, and on your teaching, the inward. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. If you're doing pretty good on both, make sure you stay there. Because here's the warning in 1 Corinthians 10.12. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Just because you think you're doing all right, sometimes you know what we do as Christians? I'm doing so good. We let our guard down a little bit and something sneaks in and we actually start to do wrong. Here's what I mean by that is, story of the prodigal son. Two sons, um, older one, younger one, they both wanted, uh, their father was rich and the younger, they lived in the house and they experienced all the joy of living in the house and all the blessings of the father. The younger one says, you know what, dad, I'm not gonna wait for you to die so that I can get your inheritance. Can you just give it to me now? Because I want that money and I wanna go have fun. So the dad goes, I love you, son. Not the wisest decision, but here you go. Kid runs off. He goes to Vegas. He gets nuts. He has a good time, right? Squanders all of his money, ends up living with the pigs, right? And eating what the pigs eat, the pods and the, the thrown out food and stuff like that. And he's just so bummed. And he's just like, I'm dumb. I ruined my life. Maybe if I go back to my dad, he'll at least let me be a servant or a slave in his family. It would be better than living with the pigs. I don't expect the full love and all that. Maybe I can just go be a servant. He comes back home and dad sees him a long way off, sees how messed up he is. And the son's like, oh man, I hope he, he doesn't hate me and all this. And the dad, what does the dad do? The dad loves on him. The dad welcomes him. He goes, you know, you've repented. You've come back. I love you. Let's kill a cow and throw a barbecue. Let's huli huli cow for my son because we love him so much, right? And he gets blessed and he gets the whole deal. And then what happens? The other brother, here's a story about the other brother, the good brother. I've done everything dad asked me to do. I love dad with all my heart. I work diligently. I don't need the money now. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to manage all my stuff. I'm not doing anything wrong. Seed in the good soil. However, remember it said, be careful if you think you're standing strong not to fall. When the dirty younger brother comes back, you know what the older brother does? He judges him. You guys remember the story? The guy that was doing so good, you gotta be careful because he's doing so good, now he compares himself. How come you're loving on him? How come you're throwing a party? How come you're doing all of this good stuff, right? We need to be careful, even if we're, we're good soil. Remember, you can always do better in the Lord. Remember that your faith is never good. Enough. Even if you think I'm doing good inside and out, God goes, how much better can you do? And be careful that you don't use that goodness that is in you to compare yourself or to, to get sideswiped because you let your guard down. So we gotta be careful of this stuff. So we gotta stay strong. But every one of us falls into one of these categories. And Jesus is, is going, everybody is at some walk in their faith and is in one of those areas. And the question I have for you guys today is, go ask God, where do I, where do I fit? Which one am I? And what do I need to do to be the, the seed that's in the good soil? Because the goal is that we're all in the good soil. The goal is, what we're gonna read next in verses seven through 10, is that we become spiritually strong and mature. It says, we pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. I hope we won't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive. Do the right thing before we come, even if that makes it look like we failed to demonstrate our authority. For we cannot oppose the truth, but must always stand for the truth. We are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. And this is the point that Paul is saying. Hey, I'm trying to correct you because I want you to be actually strong. I don't care if I look weak. I want you to be strong. Then he says this, we pray that you will become mature. I'm writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to, need to deal severely with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you and not to tear you down. Here's a goal for our lives is to become spiritually strong and mature. That's what God wants. And when he uses the word mature here, Interesting, I looked up in the original language in the Greek that it was written, is this word mature here in the Greek is only used to describe spiritual maturity in this place. In the other places in the New Testament when this Greek word is used, it's used to describe repairing of nets. When Jesus came along and found some of the disciples, they were sitting there repairing their nets. That's when this Greek word was used. It, it gives a word picture to us of God wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring us to wholeness and fullness. He wants us to be all that we are fully intended and created to be. Does that make sense? The reason that we check ourselves is that God could bring restoration in our life. These nets, they're not working. There's been tears in the, hole, in the net and the fish are getting through and the net is not working like the net's supposed to work. So this word over here that says restoring, aiming for per 
perfection, bringing to wholeness, bringing to fullness. What we're aiming for here is, God, as I clear up all the stuff in my life, you're going to patch all the holes. You're going to fix me. You're going to use me in the way that I'm supposed to be used. And my life is going to come together and everything is going to work because I don't have any of those things getting in the way of your blessing. You guys get that picture? It's a restoring that he's saying right here. And like even some of the, the values that we have in this church, right? The four values that we have around here. What is a, what is a restored whole life look like? Well, the values of our church, the aims of our church is that every person in this church, we made the wristbands and all of this stuff. The first thing is that you would honestly be connected to God. That you gotta make sure if I'm living the life I'm supposed to, am I really connected to God or is it just a religious organization and a fun group of people? We really want you to be fully 100% connected to God. And by connected to God, I mean when you took communion this morning, I look around, there's people that are crying because they're connected to God. There's people that remember what this is all about and that Jesus had to come and give his life for us that we might have eternal life. When I take communion, something stirs in me. When I worship God, something moves in me because I'm connected to him. It's not religion. It's like, I know this God, he knows me, and he loves me. You guys get what I'm trying to say? And we got to make sure, how's my life with that? Am I really connected to God? It's like, can you tell God these words, Jesus, I love you, and it doesn't feel awkward? Because that can feel awkward sometimes. You guys ever had the times when you told someone you love them, but it was really awkward? Anybody? I had a girlfriend once that I was dating for like a, a few weeks, and by like three to four weeks into it, she was already like, I love you. And I'm like, oh, me too. Right? You're like, hey, I think you're great as well, you know? And I just remember how awkward it was. She goes, oh, but I love you, babe. And I was like, oh, it's been like three weeks. I'm like, ah. Uh. And I felt pressured into it. And I'm like, yeah, I love you too. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, why did I say that? Right? And it's awkward. You know when you're connected to God, it's not awkward when you tell him you love him. Right? And see, what we want in this church is for you to be absolutely connected to God through his son, Jesus Christ, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That when you come in here to worship, hands are up, eyes are closed, whatever you want to do, you're on the ground, whatever, you are connected to God. And, and secondly, this is a good indicator of a good, healthy, whole, and restored life is you're connected to God's people. We place big value on you getting into each other's lives because we're not created to go through life alone. God tells us we need each other. And that we also understand that we're equipped to serve. We constantly are learning and getting equipped and being discipled so that we can take it out there and give back to God. God, we love you. We know everything we know about you is how good you are to us. We want to give back to you. And so we use our talents and our gifts to give back to God and to his people. And then the fourth, and mo fourth last and most important thing he left us with is the Great Commission. Go into all the world and tell everybody else the goodness of me. All the stuff that you know, make sure that one of the ways you can test, how's my life? Am I living good? Am I on track? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you have a love for the lost? Do you have a love for the people in your neighborhood, in your family? Some of them live in your house with you. How badly do you want them to know Jesus? Because it should be an urgency. It should be a desire in our hearts. If we're living our life right, we understand how good God is and how people are lost out there without God, and we want them to know the goodness of God. See, I preach sermons that use a lot of stories and a lot of analogies, and, and I really try to take the depth of the word of God and make it as simple as possible. And you know what? Sometimes I get criticized for that. How come you don't go deeper? And how come you don't talk about this? And how come you don't talk about that? Because I always want to preach to the lost. I think the lost are the most important people that I preach to. Everybody else, you're in already. Sorry. You take second seat. But Jesus told me the great commission is for the people that don't know Jesus. So I'm going to preach with relevancy and share my own heart because I want my friends that don't know Jesus to have a good, basic, easy to understand picture of who God is in their life. You guys get what I'm saying? So I'm sorry you come to this church and you're like, Carl's not deep enough. Well, whatever. Sorry. I care about the people that need it to be broken down real simple to them because I have a love for the lost. And so we're, we're, we're supposed to be empowered to win the whole world. So ask yourself those questions. Are those things evident in my life? Because if they are, then you're doing pretty good. Your faith is on track. But then he says this in verse 11, and we end with these set of verses. Paul says it does take hard work. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Here's his last most important words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other with Christian love. All of God's people here send you their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You know what he's saying? Here's my last and most important words. It takes hard work. He goes, you've got to be doing these things. You have to apply all that you've learned, all that you know about God. It takes effort. That's what I get here when he says, be joyful. That doesn't just come naturally. You have to choose joy. Grow to maturity. 
Choose to let God strengthen you and move you from one place to another. Encourage other people, right? Live in harmony and peace. That takes work. Greet each other with Christian love. I love that one. I've, I've told you guys before how in some Bibles it says greet with a holy kiss, right? And I always, in Hawaii, because we're such a loving culture, you know, sometimes you give the kiss on the cheek, sometimes it's a hug or whatever, but you show the Christian love. And, and Paul is basically putting emphasis on show with your actions that you love one another, and it's so confusing for me as a pastor. I told you guys when I stand by the back door sometimes, I don't know what to do. I want to greet people with love, but some people are like the kiss type, the aunties, you know, hey. And some people, it's like you got to be careful of, you know, because they, they don't want you to kiss them or maybe they want it too much. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying. When it says greet one another with, with Christian love, I don't know whether to give the high five or the chest bump or the hug, the kiss, the good job sport. You know, I don't know what to do. But the point isn't that we don't know what to do. The point is that we do something, right? So I'm back there, and you guys today are going to be making fun of me because I'm just like, hand out ready, sometimes a hug. I don't know. You do whatever feels natural. I'll just go with it. That's what I'm saying, okay? If I see you coming in, I'll respond, you know? If I see the five, whatever is comfortable for you, okay? I'm just saying that Paul is saying, you know what? To really get the best of the Christian life and to make sure your faith is good, it takes effort. You got to do something. You got to give the effort to reach in there and to, to do it. It's like this. You have to live it to love it. About our Christian faith. Think about that. You have to live the Christian faith out so that you can love it. Otherwise, it's going to be a burden to you. You're going to say you're a Christian, but if you're not living it, you're always going to be, oh, condemnation, guilt. I know I should be doing this, but I'm not. And it's always going to be like, oh, that thing just bugs me. And you're not going to like your faith. And you're going to think, why is it so bad? It's because you have to live it to experience how good it actually is. Amen? And see, my friend gave me a jet ski a while ago, right? I've shared about this story. My friend gave me a jet ski. I rode it two times before I broke it, right? I rode it two times having a blast. And when I ride it, I like to go hard and I like to jump waves and I go high. Like I, I'm not into riding on flat water. So boring. I don't care how fast you can go. It's boring to me. If you don't have waves to jump, you're not jet skiing at all, right? So we go out there and we go for broke. Me and Lance and Kess and the guys, we launch and we're like, yeah, I hit the wave. Then when you're like 10 feet up, you're like, uh-oh, I'm too high. What did I do, right? And there's been a couple of times where I literally launched so high that I'm going, I'm going to die if I don't just bail and I go flying off the side, you know? But I, 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 I took the jet ski out, and my second time out, I tore a hole in it this big. I don't even know what I hit, you know, if it was reef or hopefully not a turtle. I don't know what the heck I landed on. But I just tore a big hole in it, barely made it into the pier. And I love this jet ski, and I love going jet skiing with my friends. But as it sat in my garage drying out and me not knowing how to fix it and figuring out stuff before I got it fixed, sat there forever, it became a burden to me because I wasn't using it, right? And it just sat there. And I finally got it fixed, but then I had to go redo the carburetor and the engine to make sure. So more waiting, finally fix it. Now I got to get the registration before I can drive. So it's just waiting. And all of this time, something that I love so much suddenly became something that was a burden to me, more like to my wife and my kids, right? Because it's taking up half the garage. It's just sitting there. And they're just like, uh, dad, you're going to use that thing or you better lose that thing, right? Because it's in the way. And so something that I know is so good, if I'm not using it, I don't feel the value of it. And so what, what Paul is saying here is to really experience how good life can be. What are the things he said? The grace of Jesus, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You only get that by activating your faith. You will love Christianity and it'll be a blessing to you, but you have to get in there and you have to use it. There's no shortcuts in Christianity. Communion this morning reminds us that for Jesus and God the Father to have relationship with us, the cross wasn't a shortcut. Jesus, who is sitting in heaven, who is the co-creator of the universe, had to come down to this earth, live for 33 years, get ridiculed, get made fun of, get attacked for who he was, get put on a cross, get murdered for a crime he didn't commit. How many of you guys know that's not a shortcut? There was effort involved in that. And Jesus in the garden said, if there's any way I don't got to go through this, that'd be pretty cool. But you know what, God? Your will be done, not my own. That wasn't a shortcut. So for Jesus and God the Father to have that relationship with us, there's no shortcuts. It took effort. So who are we to think that it's not going to take a little bit of effort to have a relationship with him, the best possible relationship we could have? See, we're saved by grace, but we continue to walk it out and we continue to make effort to make sure we receive all that that grace offers us. You guys understand that? It's nothing we did to earn salvation. That was a gift of God. 
But as we have salvation, we want it to be the best it can be. So that takes a little bit of effort. And part of, lose, part of understanding that is we got to understand that losing control is a good thing. To have the best life possible, losing control is a good thing. People would say, oh, that guy lost control. He's blowing it. You know, when it comes to Christianity, it's good to lose control. It's good to say, God, you're the only one that matters, and I don't have any control, and it's all about you. David said this in Psalm 51, 2 to 4. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. And then he said this. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. See, for us to, to really go deep and to come clean and to get where God wants us to be, there's two really strong words, confession and surrender. And that's losing control. That's giving up control. God, it's all about you. It's not about me. I'm blowing it. I understand as I examine myself, I'm not in the right place. But you know what? God is always faithful to forgive you. God is always on your side and he wants you to win the game. Do you know that? That God is there to help you. There's a verse in Hebrews 13, 5. It says, for God has said, I will never fail you. I'll never abandon you. So we can say this with confidence. The Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? See, it's so important that we take the time in our lives to examine ourselves, to ask God, God, examine me, show me what's wrong. Because the minute you start to work on that stuff, you find out that, there's a burden that's released. God, here's the wrong that I've been doing and it's embarrassing and I'm sorry and I got all of this, but you know what? When you give it to him, he takes it away. He doesn't judge you. He's there to help us. The Lord is my helper. He'll not fail me or abandon me. So as we do this this week, I pray that you would. I pray that you'd go home and you just seek. Take a spiritual inventory. Where am I at, God? Do I like who I'm becoming? And as God shows you some of that stuff, you can realize it's okay to let it go and to give it to him. It's embarrassing, yeah, but get it out because God wants to bring healing in your life. Amen? Yes. It's a good word for you guys this morning. Yes. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for even the hard lessons, Lord. Sometimes the word that convicts us, sometimes it's so encouraging. And even this one, it is encouraging, but God, it takes a little effort on our part. It causes us to maybe examine some things in our own life that maybe we're not too proud of. Some, some things that we've done that we've been able to shelve away and to hide from ourselves and other people, but Lord, they've never been hidden from you. And Lord, the sooner that we're able to get them out to deal with it and to give it to you, Lord, you're right there to help us, to take us away from all of our sin and our condemnation, Lord, to set us free, to bring us to that place in life where everything works, that wholeness, that restoration. That's what we're after, Father God. And we know that you love us and we want to be there and you want us to be there. Help us to do that this week, Lord. I pray that the people that I see in this church right now, will look different next week when they come in here because they've been able to let some things go and to get free of some stuff that's been bogging them down for so long. Lord, right now, I just want to give an opportunity to anybody in the room, as we're praying, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If you're someone in this room today that you would have to say, I kind of identify with that status level one. I'm not really close to God at all, but I'm here today and, and I'm kind of feeling like I need to be, I want to be close to God. I want to be a Christian I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to take a shot at seeing what he could do in my life if I would just say yes to him. And if that's you here today, you are my favorite person in this room. And if you're willing to say, I'm far from God, but I want to be right there close to him, I'm so excited for you. I'm so blessed that you would be maybe right now in your heart deciding that you want God's best for your life and you want to make yourself humble enough to come to him and say, I don't have all the answers I've done wrong, but I need your help, God. That's really all you're doing is crying out and just asking for God to help you. And when you call out to him, he's going to bless you. He's going to forgive you. As you commit to faith in Jesus Christ, he's going to change your life. And everything changes from here today. From here on into eternity, everything changes. And what we're going to do is I'm going to say a simple prayer with you just to bring you into this relationship where everything changes for the better. For those that are far from God, that you will come right to his heart right here, right now, on into eternity. And if that's a prayer that you'd like to pray, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray the words for you and with you out loud. And I'm going to ask that you would, with your heart of hearts, agree with the words I'm going to say, say, and you'd make those words your own. I'm not going to ask you to pray them out loud right here, right now, because I think that it's a heart thing first and then an action thing after. And God says that we're supposed to confess them with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died and, and was raised from the dead and that we would trust in him, that he is our Lord. But I think the first step has got to be the heart. So I'm going to ask that you just commit your heart to God with me in this prayer. After service, you can go and tell people, hey, I pray that prayer. I'm a Christian right now. And as you own up to God, then God is proud of you and he owns up to you and he honors you. 
But first step is the heart. And so if you'd like to say that prayer with me right now, just to say yes to God for the first time, to come near to him, you know you need it. He's not judging you. He's just here to love you. I'm going to ask that when I count to three, you'd raise your hand and tell me that you're praying with me. People seated around you don't see you, just me and just God. We see you, but I want to know who I get the privilege of praying with this morning. So when I count to three, I'm just going to ask that you would lift your hand if that's a decision you want to make. Like I said, best decision you will ever make. But here we go on three. I just want to see those hands and hold them up just so I know who I'm praying with. Ready? One, two, and three. Come on, lift those hands. I see some hands. I see one, two, three, four. I'm looking around the room right now. I saw about four people. Anybody else? Just hold it up high and wave it if, if I didn't see you. Thank you, God, for those hands. Amazing. Best thing we do here this morning. If that was you, go ahead and put your hand down and just pray this prayer with me in your heart. God, I'm here this morning, and um, from what I understand is you are a pretty good God, and I need you in my life. I want you in my life. Lord, I'm, I'm just tired of living life for myself and what this world expects of me. Lord, I want to know that there's more to live for than what I see. And Lord, I believe that I found that in you. Lord, what I'm telling you right now is I'm committing to following you from this day forward on into eternity. And that, Lord, as I tell you that I believe that your son Jesus came to this earth and died on that cross for my sins, that I would have eternal life and I would be forgiven. Lord, that I understand that by doing so, that I become your child and I become someone that's in your kingdom for the rest of my life on into eternity. Lord, as I tell you that, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, I believe in you, I love you, I trust you. I choose you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my best friend. And Lord, I expect and I look forward to the changes you're going to make in my life. You don't expect me to be perfect, Lord, but you're going to make me better. You're going to clean stuff up. You're going to forgive me. You're going to bring me hope and purpose in my life. And Lord, I'm excited about that. Lord, I thank you for what you did on that cross for me. And Lord, I commit to you that I'm going to live this out. I'm going to read my Bible to know more about you. I'm going to begin to pray and just talk to you and have conversation and communication with you. Lord, you're going to speak to me, lead me and guide me. Lord, that I, I'm going to promise to be water baptized just as a symbol of dying to that old self and being born again, a clean and new creation. Lord, I ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit's power in my life, Lord. I want to see miracles. I don't want to sign up for religion right now. I want to know that you're a holy, mighty God that does the miraculous in my life. So, Lord, I receive that right now. And, Lord, everything that you're asking of me, Lord, I want to be committed to a church where brothers and sisters would hold me accountable and encourage me and, and teach me and bless me. Lord, all that you have for me, I'm saying yes to right now. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for what you did on the cross for me. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said Amen. And we praise God for those people right now, don't we?